Hi, I'm AJ Jones. Welcome to the podcast for Goodly Church. Together with my husband, Alan, we are starting a new church in the greater Nashville area. The episode you're about to listen to is from the meetings we've been doing with our launch team each week. We're making these available online because one of the very first things we felt the Lord asked us to do was to have an online expression of the church. So as we're launching our church in person, we also wanted to launch it online too. Enjoy. The message of the Father Heart has brought the most transformation for Alan and I of any other thing that we've ever heard. And everything that we do is out of this. Like all the anything supernatural, everything else comes out of our understanding of of this message and who he is. And all of these teachings are really ones that, uh, some of them ones that I heard that helped me go through it. Most of them ones that the Lord gave me as I was sort of working through the material. And uh, and they've all helped me sort of unwind all this stuff that I didn't realize that I always had kind of thing, right? So we're going to talk about orphans to sons today. And it just want to say, because I always do this, the majority of this teaching comes from two individuals, Jack Frost, who's gone uh, home to be with the Lord a number of years ago now. I can't even think how long it's been, quite a while. And James Jordan, who is, he's a father heart teacher out of um, New Zealand. And so they were sort of good enough to give me, they both gave me their, they both teach it differently. And I sort of took it and mashed it all together and made this scenario. Um, But just, I love giving credit where credit is due. This is not my original thought. Uh, And honestly, the first time that I heard this teaching, Jack Frost was, was teaching it and he was taking us through through this chart we'll look at in a few minutes. And I just sat there and went, oh, like the whole time because I was like just getting, you know, have you ever just had a message where you're just like, hit, hit, battleship, you sunk, you sunk my battleship, you know. Uh, I was having that moment and trying to appear calm because uh, he had, he, it was, he had come and he was teaching it to all the staff in Toronto. So there was like 150 of us sitting in this room trying to appear calm while we're all finding out that we're total orphans. <laughs> and it was awesome. Um, so we'll, we'll have a little fun with a couple of them today and just see what we see. So essentially, you know, you guys, we're, we're all on a journey, which I'm sure you've all figured out, right? You're not the same person you were a year ago. You're not the same person you were 10 years ago. Thank God. Right? Right? (laughs) Okay, for me, yes. So we're all on this journey, hopefully, towards Christ-likeness, right? We're all on this journey where we're growing and we're conforming into the image of Jesus. And I think part of that journey is taking things that are positional truths and then becoming an actual lifestyle for us, where we live like it's true, right? So it's not just the Bible says we are, but we live like we are, right? That's I think, called maturing. 1 John 3, verse 1. I don't know what version this is, uh, to be honest with you. Normally, I write it in my notes. So if it rings true for you and it's your version, let us know. Uh, See how extravagant a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God, for that is what we are. So out of God's extravagant love for us, we are his children. And it says, and that is what we are. Like He's trying to drive home a point. That is what we are. It's not just like a nice phrasing. We're actually his kids, which is wonderful. But most of us aren't living like we are. Or we at least have our moments. So we're on this journey. 
from being orphans, from not knowing who we belong to and not knowing how loved we are, into sonship, where we start to live like the whole thing is true. Yeah? John 14, verse 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. That's really interesting because uh, in this passage, you know, the beginning of John 14, that's where you're getting, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? And he's right in the middle of talking about the Holy Spirit at this point in John, and this little verse is in there. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. And then he goes on and keeps talking about the Holy Spirit. It's an interesting statement for a number of reasons. He's obviously not talking to physical orphans, right? Because we know who some of the disciples' parents are. So it's not that, because he's saying, all of you, I will not leave you as orphans. If it applies to them, it likely applies to us. I remember um, going to this church in Dallas, and uh, I was, I'd been to this church a couple of times to do a couple of weekends with them, and I flew in this one time, and uh, the lead pastor said, what are you going to speak on on Sunday? And I said, I think I'm going to speak on the orphan spirit, which is what we used to call this instead of orphans to sons. And then people think it's a spirit, and they get all, ooh, how do I get delivered? And anyway, um, so we renamed it. <laughs> I said, I think I'm going to speak on the orphan spirit. He said, oh, that's really good. Like, there's a lot of people in our church that are, you know, from broken homes and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, it totally would work for them, totally would. But, of course, it would work for us, too. You know, and he was like, oh, I don't think I know what you're going to talk about. I said, Prob- probably, <laughs> probably not. Um, so definition of an orphan. An orphan is A, a child whose parents are dead, cheery, or to a person or thing without protection, position, security, etc. Jack Frost defined an orphan as an orphan feels he has no place of affirmation, protection, comfort, belonging, or affection. He has to strive, achieve, compete, and earn everything he gets in life. I think the American dream is the perfect potting soil for orphans. <laughs> like it's, right? That just came into my head. I was like, wait, that's almost like the ideal, right? I'm that guy, I'm going to strive, I'm going to I can do it on my own, you know? Like, wow, totally not how God designed us to live. Uh, some other person said this, an orphan is someone who lives outside of the Father's presence, right? As you may have guessed, the following newsflash is yours to enjoy. We can be operating Uh, with an orphan mindset, even if we're from a good home or in a good church, right? So it's not really about that. We have a wonderful example in Jesus, who is the perfect son and lived out of his sonship, right? I and the father are one. The son only does what he sees the father doing. I want to be able to say that, right? Like that's, that's the goal, but I also recognize that I, I do things that are not what the Father is saying. Or do, you know what I mean? Especially in your weak moments where you're like, oh, yeah? Which I'm sure none of you have. But you can pray for me. Uh, Jesus felt totally secure and loved and affirmed in the Father's love. And that's, that's the goal, right? To live out of that level of sonship. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 18 says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, 
says the Lord Almighty. So I feel like here's your positional reality. He's declared, I'm going to be a father to you. You are my sons and daughters. In which case, how do we partner with that? How do we start to live out of that? So if we're thinking in terms of that, then we come to this horrible chart, which I started calling the chart of doom. Uh, that's not what Jack ever called it. So if you ever find a Jackite, you know, who's like, you know, uh, he didn't call it this, so he won't know what you're talking about. But I think for me it was the chart of doom because I remember sitting in that room with 150 people in ministry going, wait, what now? <laughs> you know, you, you say what? Um, we can't possibly do the full chart. It's huge. So we are going to look at, uh, out of the 20, we're going to look at it eight and have a little fun looking at ourselves maybe. Here's what you're going to see. We're going to throw a topic up and then we're going to talk a little bit about an orphan responds like this, a son responds like this. Yeah. We're not necessarily playing issue bingo, but probably what you'll find is you're not going to be all the way over on the orphan, and you might not be all the way over on the sun. Usually we're somewhere in process in the middle. Does that make sense? And that's totally fine. One of the things that, um, you know, when, when Jack would teach this, he'd just talk about operating in the orphan spirit. And, and we realized it's more like we have our orphan moments than that we're always stuck there. You know, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. And then we have a moment where the orphan comes up and goes, oh, yeah, you know, and we, <laughs> and then he goes back down and we're like, oh, you know. So none of us are orphans all of the time. We just have our moments where something, some part of us that doesn't really realize how fully loved we are expresses itself with splendor, sometimes louder than other times. And then uh, we get to actually ask the Holy Spirit, hey, could you help me with that? Right? So that's kind of how we grow. So the first thing we're going to look at is dependency. So for the orphan, he is independent and self-reliant. Right? So the orphan doesn't need your help. Orphans typically don't show weakness, and there's a reason. They tend to be independent because life has taught them that. If you think about orphans in the natural, right? Orphans in the spirit are very much the same. I'm in, I don't actually need your input. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for bringing me that. I'm actually pretty good here without your input. Okay? There's, there's a couple problems with that. <laughs> One of them that's rather glaring is Galatians 6 verse 2 says that we're to carry one another's burdens, right? If we're independent and self-reliant, we actually don't know how to do community and let each other know, hey, I'm not okay over here, and let each other be family, get around, right? Carry one another's burdens. Orphans can't have a burden to share with you, yeah? For the son... His dependency, he's in, interdependent, and he acknowledges need. So a son can say, I'm not okay. I need help this week. Or anything from asking to prayer or asking for actual needs. Hey, could anybody come over and help me with I'm not okay, rather than trying to lift the piano on, by themselves. Do you know what I'm saying? Whatever the piano may be. I actually had a governess when I was younger. She was Russian, and she could actually lift our grand piano. It was an upright grand, and she would lift it and vacuum no underneath way. it. She was short, too. She was, like, this big, but she was stocky. She was terrifying. She, was, she wasn't very friendly either, but she could vacuum. 
Anyway, wow. The orphan, for their need for approval, the orphan needs to strive for the praise, approval, and acceptance of man. So the orphan has a really big need to impress. They need to be needed. They tend to be actually inherently insecure, uh, but that's covered up fairly well. And they, they just really need, they, they need you to recognize that, that they're there and they're doing good things. So make sure you tell them lots of things about how good they're doing. This was completely me at the beginning of the revival in Toronto. And it, it's great for anybody who's performance-oriented. This is, it's, revival is perfect for performance-oriented people who need to be needed. Because you can, you know, fit into all these holes and people tell you you're doing a great job all the time until you burn out. It's great. It's a great way to burn out too. During the revival, I was like on every team going. So I was on the worship team several nights a week. Of course, we were having services every night of the week for years. Yeah. Yeah. For the first eight months of the revival, it was every night of the week. Then we decided to take Mondays off because nobody had laundry. It was, it was, it was insane. Uh, it was insane in the best kind of way. We were seeing incredible miracles, so nobody cared that we all smelled bad. And then eventually, eight months in, they were like, okay, we're going to take Monday nights off, and then we're going to go the rest of the week. And what do you know? The Holy Spirit still came, even though we took Monday nights off. Uh, but I was on the worship team. Um, I took homeless runs out three times a week from 11 o'clock at night to 2 in the morning. I still worked a full-time job. I was on the ministry team, I was on the prophetic team, I was one of the youth leaders. Do you think this is a healthy scenario when you hear it? <laughs> you know, no, it, it really, it, but I was, I needed affirmation and approval and I didn't know how to get it from God. So I got lots of affirmation and approval because of how much I did. Um, but it wasn't really out of a healthy place. For this son, their need for approval, they're totally accepted in God's love and justified by grace. So son can actually have good boundaries and say no and feel fine. Like feel like we're good, right? Yep, good. I'm good. I hope you're good because I've, you know, I am actually accepted in God's love. I think sometimes this one's super tricky. And I think sometimes we can end up orphaning out a little bit without even realizing it just because we want to do, do stuff or we want to be helpful, I think it's always best to sort of say, Holy Spirit, are you asking me to fill that hole? And then nobody ends up getting burnt out in the midst of, yeah. Self-image. This is a fun one. Self-image for the orphan. Self-rejection from comparing yourself to others. Now, that can look like all kinds of different things, and I think it even looks different male to female sometimes. Women, I think we are raised to compare ourselves to one another from the time that we're really young. You know, whether it's that, she's a bigger bow than I do, or, you know, a nicer dress or whatever the thing is. I remember somebody saying to me once, uh, I don't even remember what I was wearing, but they were like, and this is funny because if you know me, I obviously don't care about what I wear. Um, but somebody had said, hey, where did you get that dress or whatever it was? And I was like, oh, at such and such a place. I said, don't worry, I won't wear it on the same day that you do. And I was like, I don't care. I mean, why do we care about that? Well, most people do care about that. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know why they would, but 
you just go ahead and wear it whenever you want. You don't have to text me about it, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But I was talking to another friend about that, and they said, oh, yeah, it's that dynamic where you both show up at the same event and two people are in the same outfit, and now you feel less than because that person looks better in your eyes, right? We compare ourselves all the time, whether it's about jobs, houses, sports, money, whatever the thing is, we're constantly comparing and it's just kind of orphan behavior, right? For the son, his self-image is positive and affirmed because you know you have such value to God. So I think we all know in our heads, our value can't be about the stuff, right? And it can't be about even how well we're providing or any of the different things. But in the moment, we often have the little orphan moments of like, but it totally is, you know. Shouldn't I be doing X better, right? I see it a lot as well. I don't know what, again, what guys do this over, but I, I, and, and I have done this myself, wanting to be a better mom, better wife, better at cleaning my house, better at, better at, all it is is just, Self-image. We're just pulling ourselves down all the time, yeah? Um, and I think in the moment when we realize we're doing it, probably the best response would be to just crawl into God's lap and go, okay, I need to hear from you what you say about me because I am ripping myself apart right now uh, in whatever area we do it in. Source of comfort for the orphan Counterfeit affections, addictions, compulsions, escapism, busyness, and hyper-religious activity. What does that mean? It means when everything's going crazy and we're like, I'm totally not okay, instead of actually going to the Lord with that, we turn to whatever the counterfeit affection is, right? And it can be anything from pornography to reading to video games to running to whatever the thing is that we can get away from our hearts and all the feel stuff that we're feeling right and we all do that in different ways and I, I was saying to Alan earlier like when I talked to my therapist about like about like being able to get away from your pain he said to some extent it's healthy to, to be able to go and go and do an activity and get away from it, as long as you're not running from it permanently. You've got to be able to go back and look at it with the Lord and get healed. Does that make sense? So I'm not talking about you happen to like reading or playing video games or whatever. You know, you do that as a stopgap for a moment, and then you get back with the Lord and figure it out. I'm talking about when we really run. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Could be food, too. Uh, could be, co- it doesn't say coffee. No, it's fine. Okay. That's not one. That's not one. That's I just, I thought I'd said it, but it, you know, it doesn't. Uh, for the orphan, for their source of comfort, they seek times of quietness and solitude to rest in the Father's love. That sounds very like, you know, but it's, it's basically being able to go to the Lord and saying, I am so hurting today and just whatever that looks like, cry with him, journal. But, but be raw and let him come and meet you as opposed to get on the treadmill and run as far as you can. Because the treadmill, you're not actually making any distance, which is what we're all doing with counterfeit affection, right? It's still right there as soon as you step off. You're like, oh, still there. Great. Fantastic. Peer relationships. For the orphan, 
Competition, rivalry, and jealousy towards others' success and position. This is kind of as old as Cain and Abel. In Luke 9, verse 46, 46, it's going to be fine. An argument (laughs) was that earlier. (laughs) You should, yes. Just just, uh, behave yourself back there. Uh, An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Do you remember that story? Can you imagine you're sitting with Jesus and there? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I, again, I'll, I'm telling you a bunch of my stories, and many of my stories are ministry stories because my world has been ministry since, you know, I don't know, a long time, nearly 30 years. And uh, so a lot of these stories are that, but they're going to happen in different places, right? Still happens at home, still happens at the grocery store. But uh, I remember this one time at, at Freshwind, which was a very funny name for a youth conference because it did not smell fresh in that room at all. Uh, but we had a youth conference in Toronto called Freshwind, and I organized that conference for the first 14 years. And our joke, my joke with Tiffany is Tiffany would come to that conference, so it's possible that I prayed for Tiffany years and years and years ago. It's possible. I don't know. But anyway, I organized this conference called Freshwind, and I remember... Uh, a couple of years in, maybe four or five years in, uh, I was already traveling for Toronto, and I was one of the MCs. So Toronto, again, was having revival meetings every day of the week for years, except for Mondays. And you can't imagine, I mean, this thing's a machine to make this happen, but there's a whole bunch of us that would take a week to be the MC for that week. So we would be knowing what was happening and what was building throughout the week and whatever. Um, and so I was sign up for several weeks a year, a whole bunch of other people would, and that's sort of how they took care of some of that stuff where it wasn't staff doing it. Anyway, so I was one of the people that's trained to MC. I was traveling and speaking for them already. We're in this meeting. I'm, I'm, I'm running the meeting, but the youth pastor says, you know, guys, we were thinking this year we're going to ask a couple of the youth leaders, which I'm still a youth leader at this point, to MC Freshwind. And I'll just be honest with you, in my head I was like, I'm a shoe in. Like, I'm already doing it for the church all the time. I'm trained to do this. Most of these people aren't, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. So in my head, I'm like, shoe in, you know. And uh, Aaron had said, you know, we're going to pray, and we're going to ask the Lord who's supposed to do it. And then the next time we meet, we'll just let you know. And AJ, if you could do a schedule, I'm like, sure, yeah, I can do a schedule. So he comes back to the next meeting, and he says the people that are emceeing, and I am not one of them. And I'll just be honest with you, I completely orphaned out on the inside. I don't know, I'm not very good at actually hiding things on my face, so I'm sure it must have showed at some level. Uh, I I think I did okay, but on the inside, I was like, are you joking? Like, are you joking? And to the point where actually they were like, could you train them how to do this? Like, can you show them? And I was just like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, I totally can, you know. And I remember the first night... And what's hard is I love everybody on the team and I love this person, but my heart attitude stunk. I mean, it stunk. And so they got up and they emceed and they screwed up something that they said. Like, I can't remember whether it was a scripture verse or whatever, but they said something and it wasn't right. And my heart was like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that. I'm just being honest. It was ugly. Right. And the, and the Holy Spirit was like, and that is why you are not emceeing. Like God was just totally like, 
<laughs> that's not, we don't, that's not what we do. And I spent the next three days dying, like just being like, oh my gosh, it's so ugly in here. It's, I'm so entitled. I'm, you know, like just getting in touch with all of this stuff because of my uh, brokenness. And some of it was like, I love this church and I, I, I'm so invested. But a lot of it was just ugliness of like, see me, value me, realize I'm awesome, all playing in together. And so I was really not happy that other people uh, got picked for that. And the Lord in his goodness dealt with me uh, swiftly that weekend, which was great. And what was funny is the next year, Aaron again was like, we're going to have other people MC. And I don't remember even thinking that I wanted to do that, that whatever. I was like, great, just let me know who it's going to be and we'll do the schedule and whatever. And then when, and then they were like, yeah, we want you to be one of the MCs. And I was sort of like, oh, I don't, I don't need to do that. Like I've already got point on the conference. Like the Lord had totally like shifted whatever it was, but there was lots of snot and tears between that year. And <laughs> but we would also see it things in things like we'd be, again, this is like mostly ministry meetings or meetings with pastors where we would come in, a whole bunch of the different itinerants would come in and you'd just be sharing stories supposedly to encourage one another about what you're seeing, but a lot of it felt like one-upping. Like, oh, you saw that? Well, I saw this. Well, you saw that? Oh, I saw that. Oh, yeah. You know, and you're just like, stop, please stop. For this son, peer relationships, humility and unity, values others, rejoices in their blessings and success. A number of years ago at Emanate, I did a, a message which still people will reference when I'm talking to them, and it was called, Yay God, Me Too God. And if we could actually live in the camp of, oh, I'm so happy you blessed that person, and I'm going to partner with my faith that you're still in the blessing business, as opposed to, hang on, I've been waiting for a car how come they got a car? I've been waiting for it. You know. Does that make sense? Yeah. A sense of God's presence. For the orphan, it's conditional and distance, mostly because it's based on performance, right? The orphan has to strive and perform, and then they feel like God is close to them. For the son, it's close and intimate, even if you didn't have a God time that day. Because <gasps> it's not about performance. It's about just being his. Your vision for the orphan, spiritual ambition, striving for distinction, a desire to be counted among the mature. This was something we'd see a lot in green rooms when we go and do conferences, uh, which is really sad to say. <laughs> but we'd see it a lot. A lot of uh, name dropping, a lot of you have to call this person by a certain title. I remember a friend of mine saying that he was uh, serving at a conference at a big church uh, that shall remain nameless. And he was one of the people that he was hosting somebody who goes by apostle and then their name. Okay. And so anyway, they went over and they brought them a bottle of water and said, here's your water, Bob, you know, or here you go, Bob, here's the water you asked for. And he was like, that's apostle, Bob. And he wanted cold water instead of warm or warm instead of cold and threw the water bottle at him. And I was like, wow, like, wow. But 
this whole thing of name dropping, of needing other people to know how cool you are and all the different things that you've done. And I think this is hard because sometimes people are going to ask you, what are the cool things that you've done? And so for me, sometimes I'm like, if I answer, am I orphaning or am I just answering the question? But also I have been in moments where everybody's sharing their cool God stories and I just can't wait to share mine so that I can feel as cool as everybody else in the room, right? Heidi Baker talks about how all fruitfulness flows from intimacy. I remember talking, I don't know if it was her or Roland that was talking about revival is very misunderstood, that many think it's about power and anointing, but it's actually about just living in a revelation of God's love and then just giving it away, and which takes all of the um, pressure out of it, doesn't it? If we just become sons and daughters, and carry him well, I think revival follows us. I think that's just going to be what happens. And then we get to be healthy versions of it as opposed to the burnt out version that, you know. Anyway. Vision for this son to daily experience the Father's unconditional love and acceptance. And then I would say, and give it away. If you ask John and Carol what their vision is, and, and again, they, having hosted Revival for 30 years, they always just say, just to walk in God's love and give it away. That's it. That's the, that's the big plan. And they see incredible miracles, and they don't ever have to not be themselves to see it. And for me, I'm like, I love that. Like, I love just, we get to be authentically us, and then just see what God does. I remember John saying at one point, you know, hey, if, if, you ha- if you're really tired and you have to speak, just stand up and speak tired. Like, don't get up and put on a show. Just be authentic. And I think as, as we do that and as we start to host people, I think people are going to realize it becomes a safe place then to come and to grow and to grab a hold of him and then give him away. Yeah. For the future... For the orphan, he has to fight for what he can get because it's always about that striving, achieving thing, right, for the orphan. For a son, sonship actually releases inheritance. So finding ourselves in him and finding that spot, and again, we're going to have our moments, uh, actually releases us into everything that God has for us. I used to say this all the time to people and to my own heart. <laughs> There's no crowbars required in the kingdom of heaven, right? And we can definitely have our moments where we think something has been stolen from us. Uh, I don't actually think anybody can steal anything from you. I think God just brings it back and it's way better. Yeah. Al and I have both had experiences where I'll give you, a, I'll tell you a story. I remember this one time we had been asked to do a conference with this uh, couple that we were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like it was going to be them and us. It was a pretty big deal. And we were so excited. Like it was almost like we, now we've made it. You know, we've been asked to do this huge conference in the States with this particular couple. And we were like, yes, this is going to be awesome. And we were super excited about it. And also because we love them. So we were like, oh, we're going to get to spend time with them. This is so great. And then we didn't hear anything from them for about two months. And we thought we should probably be like looking at booking flights and things like that. And so we just shot them an email and said, hey, 
like, how are you wanting to do the flight stuff? Do you want us to, does your ministry get it? Do you want it? You know, whatever. And they said, oh, um, we actually talked to this other person who actually was a friend of ours who said, you don't want Alan and AJ to do your conference. You probably basically want me to do it because, you know, they're more like, they're, this is more what they carry and then this is more what I carry. And I think actually I'm a better fit. And so they'd already done all the flyers, all the publication with this person doing it. And we didn't even know we weren't doing it anymore. And we were like, what? I was mad. But anyway, we didn't tell the people that, you know, hey, actually, uh, I think actually this person had said we were booked or something. There was like, like, oh, they can't really do it. They're already booked and I'm probably the better, you know, whatever. And we're like, no, no, we weren't. And this is the only way we'd made money. Like if we didn't travel, we didn't eat. So it was a bit like, it was not nice. Took a couple months for me to work through forgiveness on that one. And anyway, we, we, the conference happened. Everything went great. I remember feeling really happy that we were able to pray that the conference would go great as opposed to like that he would fall over and break his teeth. Um, anyway, then a couple of months later, this ministry calls back again or emails back and says, we actually want to do book you to do four events next year with us. So we, and we ended up doing these four events with this couple. So it like to us, I was like, oh, these people stole this thing from us, you know? And the Lord's like, hey, I got this. Because in reality, they did. But the Lord's like, I got it. I'll, I'll make sure you get better than just one little conference. And we ended up doing four events with them. So, I mean, all that to say, it's not that things aren't going to happen. It's just that I think if we can step back into God, and sometimes that's, we're sort of doing the dance, right? We're come back out here. Okay, I'm, you know, and I'll be honest, I did a bit of that this week. Like I, I was just struggling with some stuff and I was like, oh man, like I so badly want to just call and say some things and sort some things out, you know. And then the Lord's like, oh, okay, you know, or okay, you know, and like, like I, like Alan was saying, you know, you go through this chart and you can see yourself and you don't want to see yourself in the purple. Like, I want to see myself all green and shiny. Maybe not, but you understand. On the green side. Uh, but I also, I'm able to recognize, okay, here I am seeing purple behavior. Here I am seeing my, my orphan moments. I'm orphaning out over here, which just means I'm feeling insecure. I'm needing to know that I'm loved. I'm needing to get into his presence, and I'm needing to hear from him. Yeah? So we're gonna stop here and as I said before like I don't really call this the orphan's orphan spirit anymore but it's not really we can't actually get delivered from orphan behavior it's more just sort of being able to identify it in the moment with the Lord or sometimes we'll identify it like a couple days later <laughs> or sometimes our spouse will identify it um, and and then being able to turn around and go okay I realize something must have been happening in my heart because I reacted like this or would you show me what I need to know about me? Right? And it's really that easy. So it's not like we're not, you know, we don't have to be rocket scientists to figure it out. The Holy Spirit knows everything that's happening in our hearts, uh, which is wonderful news. Uh, for Alan and I, when we first sort of uh, started traveling together, we would do this. We would teach the chart together because with it being 20, it gets very a lot. 
But just traveling together, we would realize, oh, we orphaned out over different kinds of things. There are different things that were, it's just enough stress applied that we have that choice. And sometimes we would just really, you know, lean to the orphan. But we would go like this with each other. We'd go, oh, what a nice orphan. Now, with permission, right? So we said, I give you permission, okay. And we would go like, but if other people were around, we would just go like this. We didn't say anything. It would just be like, we'd go like this. And that was like our way of saying, hey, you know, step back for a second because you're having a moment that you're going to later go, oh, no, now I have to phone Bob and figure out, you know, does that make sense? And I remember teaching on this once with John and Carol sitting there and Carol said, oh, do that to me. Like, if you ever see me orphaning out, make sure you come over and you, and you go like, and I was like, I'm not going to do, yes, you are. Cause I want to grow. Like I want to, you know, and to me, I'm like, here's this woman who's hosting revival and she's still like, Hey, I want to be teachable. I want to be so like, uh, it's a life goal for me. I want to, I want to be like that. I want to stay, stay teachable. And Father, Lord, I, I thank you that you are not freaked out by our behavior. Lord, when we have our orphan moments or orphan weeks or orphan seasons, <laughs> Lord, I thank you that you don't back away, that you're right there. And Lord, I ask that you would um, speak to us about the things that our triggers for us, the things that push us over into living like it's about us, like we are having to survive something as opposed to being cared for. Lord, I thank you that you continue to choose us, to love us, to work on us, that you haven't finished with us. And Father, I ask that you would draw close, God. As we, uh, anytime we look at ourselves and we have a deep dive in our hearts, God, it gets tricky to not enter into toxic shame and, and all the other things. Lord, I ask that you would help us as we look at places where we want to grow to know your hope in the midst of those moments, God. Lord, I know that you see us in our finished version. And so Lord, I ask that you would give us hope, that you would give us a vision for where you're calling us to, that you would center our eyes on you, God, in the midst of everything else that's swirling around us. And Lord, I ask that... Um, even whenever the next time is that we start to look at this material, that we'd be able to recognize that there's been a shift. God, you're so good. I'm so thankful you don't leave us where we are and the way that we are. I'm super thankful you love us just as we are, but I'm glad you don't leave us just as we are. And so, Father, we sign up again today for growth. We sign up again today for this journey into sonship and into maturing into the sons that you have called us to be. Thank you for what you have done. We thank you for what you are doing. And we thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.
Thanks for listening to this episode. We'd love to hear from you wherever you are in the world. To get in touch, visit us online at goodly.church.